Our vision is to see the life and message of Jesus transform hearts, homes, and cities. So that's our, that's our vision statement here at, at Triumph. That's, man, if we're doing the things that God has called us to do, if we're stepping into the areas that he's asking us to step into, this is what we're going to see, that we're going to see the life and message of Jesus transform a heart. And as that heart is transformed, the, the home is transformed. And as the home is transformed, so is the city. The city here, the cities around the world, we're going to see cities transformed by the life and message of Jesus. And so that's our vision statement. And so we're actually on part two today of a four-part series looking at the life and message of Jesus, transforming hearts, homes, and cities. And so as we consider today what it looks like and, and how the life and message of Jesus can actually transform a home, I would encourage you, if you, if you missed the, the part one, that, that we look at the, the heart being transformed, I encourage you to go back and find it and, and take a listen to that and watch that as we, as we see Pastor Jeff unfolding for us a heart that's absolutely transformed uh, by the life and message of Jesus. So today we want to look at the home. And so here's the question I kind of want us to ponder as we do this today is, how is it that we can actually see the life and message of Jesus transform our home? How do we invite that in? How is that happening in our home and around us? And so today as we're, as we're processing this, that's the question we want to think about. But for those of you who uh, are someone that maybe doesn't believe in this Jesus stuff, hasn't had their life transformed by Christ, stick with me. I've got, I've got a thought for you as we, as we wrap up our time today. I want to I speak to you real quick at, at the very end, and so I encourage you to hang with us. And so as we begin, what I, what I want to do is I want us to define a little bit of what we mean by home, because for each of us, our homes look a little bit different. So for the home, we, we can mean very literally your house, those that live in your house. It's your family members. It's the people that are living within the four walls that you, that you share. It can also be family members that, that you love. Maybe they're not in your, in your house anymore, but you consider them a part of your home. They're off living on their own. They're doing their own thing, but they're still a part of your home because of your love for them. Or maybe it's also just friends and it's, and it's people that you do life with. Those are all part of our, our home. And so today we're going to talk about the power of prayer and why prayer should be a part of a home that is transformed by the life and message of Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. As we look at the text today, we're going to go into uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. And we're going to read a few verses as the Apostle Paul is writing to Pastor Timothy and, and actually helping him give him instructions on worship, how to set up a church service, actually, and, and how to put all this together but as he does, he, he helps us understand a little bit of what it's like to be in our home and how it is that we would interact and be a part of that. So we're going to read the first seven verses of 1 Timothy chapter 2. So here we go. Let me read them for us, and then, uh, then we'll kind of unpack some of the truth that we find in here. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving made, be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus 
who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I'm I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. And a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. First things first. So so what's interesting about what what Paul does is he, he utilizes and says this phrase, first of all. We use probably a similar phrase. It's first things first. Use that phrase. I've used it several times. It's, it, what it does is it helps us understand the most important thing. This is the thing that above all else is the thing we should focus on. It's the first thing that comes first above everything else. It's as if to say that by not doing this thing, nothing else really matters. It, it really doesn't count anymore. Or if, maybe not to that extreme. If we don't do this thing, everything else is definitely going to be more challenging and more difficult for you. Because you've got to put the first things first, or the first thing first. And so what Paul does, he says, I urge you then, first of all, pray. Above all else, above everything else that you can do in your home, Paul says, pray. Petition, thanksgiving, intercession, Pray. And he makes this thing first things first, as if to say, if you don't get this right, if we don't do this part, nothing else matters. Or, or maybe more that there's going to be struggles in the other areas. First things first. So why is prayer the first thing first? There's so many things that we can do, so many things that we can be a part of. Why is this the first things first? Well, one of the things that we are told by, by, uh, by Paul as we look into verse 3 is that it's good and pleasing to God for us to pray. This is, man, this is good. And very pleasing to God. Prayer is just the the natural response of the Christian heart. That when when a heart has been transformed by the life and message of Jesus, prayer is just, it's just the natural part of it. And throughout the New Testament, we see the New Testament writers assuming prayer, assuming that that's going to be a part of it. Not giving us the option of, you know, if you decide to pray, or even if Prayer is kind of like that elevated thing that some believers get to, but if you're a new believer, you better hold off a little bit because you're not expert enough to pray. No, no, this is, this is for all believers, and it's called to early on. It's when you pray, as Jesus said, as he taught his disciples. He said, when, not if, not when you have the time, when you pray. So all throughout the New Testament, we see that this is a call that we are supposed to be a part of. So we would read in, in Ephesians that we're supposed to pray on all, all occasions, Ephesians chapter 6. Philippians chapter 4 reminds us that in every situation we are to pray. And then 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. I'm going to give you the whole verse, so just hold on. It's the, it's the entire verse. Okay, you ready? Here it is. Pray continually. That's it. That's the entire verse. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Kids, put that one to memory. Look at your mom and say, I memorized the Bible verse. Okay, so here it is. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray continually. We're reminded throughout the New Testament. Pray on all occasions. Pray in every circumstance. Constantly be doing this thing. It's the right response as a follower of Jesus. It is right in the eyes of God to do this. But it's not just right and right only. It's also pleasing to God. So it's, it's good and pleasing to God, our Savior, Paul would say. It's pleasing to him. He desires this. He invites this. This is acceptable to him. That we have an opportunity to enter in, as Hebrews would tell us, into the throne room of grace itself. That we get to walk into the throne room. In in verse 5, we're we're told of Jesus being the mediator. 
the one who goes between us and God. And because of that, he is, is pleasing for us to him for us to enter in. We get to go into that throne room and receive grace and mercy in our time of need. We, we get to do this. This is something he desires of us because we're talking to dad. We're, we're talking to our father. It's the natural response. It's good to do and it's pleasing. Parents, you know this. What's it like when you hear from your kid? When your kid comes to you with a need or, or, or something just to, just to talk? Now, for those of you who have little kids, you wish they would do maybe a little less talking and a little more quiet play over on the side. But still, we want to hear from them. Those of you who are empty nesters and you're all alone now, your kids are off, they're doing their life. Maybe they've got kids of their own. They're, they're, they're doing off life. What, what happens in your heart when that cell phone goes off and you look down at the caller ID and it's the name of your kid? It's pleasing to hear from your kids. So it's good and pleasing. It's the first things first because it's good and pleasing response to a heart that's been transformed. But it also really helps us to focus uh, on what we need to focus on, to focus on the things that are of most importance. Okay, so one thing you may not know about me is uh, I wear contacts. So I I would wear glasses, but then we got the whole fascination across the face and everything fogs up, so I forget that, right? We're not going to do that because it fogs up. So I can do contacts all the time. And so when I do the contacts uh, thing, what I find is when I'm not wearing them, I'm one of those guys that cannot see anything out there, right? You're just a big old blur. So is that nearsighted, farsighted, whatever it is. The point is I can't see you guys. I can read this, but I can't see you. And so when I'm walking around at night or if I got my, my glasses are off, my contacts are out, and I'm trying to navigate the world around me, I focus on the things that are right in front of me. And I focus heavily on those because when I look up, all I see is fuzz. So all I see is just fuzz out in front of me. Everything is all blurry. And so I focus on the things that are right in front of me. When we make prayer, first things first. Not only is that a good response to a heart that's been transformed to talk to dad, but it focuses me. See, when I get too far ahead and I look out at the world around me in my own home and maybe in your home and we look around as I see a lot of fuzzy. I see fuzzy decisions that need to be made. I, I see a fuzzy culture. I see a fuzzy world, a fuzzy future. And when I see fuzz out there, I focus heavily on the things that are right near me. But yet when we pray, we we refocus because what we're really saying in our prayers is, God, I can't see anything that's out there. None of that makes sense. It's all fuzzy. But I know you can see it. And that which is fuzzy to me isn't to you. And when I know that he can see the things, and I know that he is the one that's out there guiding, when I know he's the one that's out there leading, then I keep walking because I've been refocused to understand who's in control of the world that's around me. It's first things first. So what do we pray for? Like when we get together or, or we sit down at the kitchen table or you're sitting in your, in your, at your, in your lazy boy or you're in bed at night, what do you, what do you pray for? We're reminded, so uh, this will be told to us as, as in, written in uh, uh, Philippians chapter 4. Paul says this, that my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. All of your needs are met by God. All. So that means both the physical and the spiritual needs. 
So as we do the, uh, as we think about the physical needs, I don't think we need a whole lot of help in coming up with ideas to pray for, for our physical needs, right? I mean, you know how this will work. You'll sit down with your list and you'll sit there and you'll write and say, God, I need, uh, please, please bless me in this area. Lord, would you please provide health? And God, would you provide safety? And as you're writing, you're kind of like, at some point, you're like, well, God, you can read. Here's my list, right? It's, it's about the God gimme's. And those topics, those things that we're praying for, they're not bad things to pray for. We should be praying for those things. The difference is the heart that we have towards them. Are, are we asking dad for the things that we need or are we just listing a whole grocery list of wants that we want to have and we want to see? God will meet all of your needs according to the riches in Christ Jesus. So all of the needs are met. So when we have a need, we, we heartfully, heartfelt brought, bring that to the Lord. We bring that to our Father. We say, God, here's a need that I have. I don't know how to handle this, or I don't know what to do with this, or I have this massive gap in my life, and I need you to help me with this. And God, in his goodness, will analyze the needs from the wants, and he provides for the needs of our life. Because you've got to remember, going to God, it's pleasing to him. He's not responding with a, oh, not her again. Oh, she's coming again. With this little thing? Doesn't, doesn't he know that I have a world to run and he's bothering me with this little thing? No, no, no. That's not how God responds. It's pleasing to him as we come to him. And, and so he wants us to come with our physical needs, but it's also the spiritual needs. Now, this is an area I, I wonder sometimes if we, if we lack as we pray for others. Man, I can make a grocery list of the things that I need and I want but am I praying for the spiritual needs of those that I love? Am I, am I praying for the things that matter for eternity in their own lives? What Paul does is he gives us a, a beautiful, beautiful window into the heart of God. Listen again to verse 4. He says, ends verse 3, with God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved. God, our Father, who wants all people to be saved. I don't know what your view is of God. I don't know how you've come to the understanding and come to the thought of who God is. If you see God as the one sitting on the throne, throwing judgment down at all the mistakes you make, throwing the lightning bolts and striking people dead, or if he's the guy who just doesn't even care. I don't know how you see God. The scriptures reveal the heart of God who wants all to be saved. That none should perish. And this just isn't a New Testament thing. It's not just a, a soft, now that Jesus has come, God's heart has changed thing. Because sometimes in the Old Testament, we see, we see wrath, we see judgment, we see hard things from God. But even as we see those hard things, we actually see God's grace in those things. God's people turning their back on him going off and worshiping other idols, worshiping other things, finding out things that they believe are more important than him. And the only way to get their attention is to bring him back with something devastating so they stop worshiping themselves and other idols and start worshiping him again. We see that the heart of God doesn't change the New Testament and the Old Testament. I want to share with you a verse. This is a verse that comes from Ezekiel. So we're going right into the Old Testament. We're going right into the area that we see a lot of judgment. Listen to this from Ezekiel 33, verse 11. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, 
but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, people of Israel? Listen to the heart of God in that. I take absolutely no pleasure in this. I don't want people to die. I don't want people to suffer. I want them to live. The heart of God shows up. And so as we pray for the spiritual needs of our children we, and, and those that we love, we pray for their salvation. We pray that, that, that God would come and be known to them, that they would know him. So we pray for salvation. We, we pray for spiritual growth. First Timothy 2, 4 goes on to say not only that he wants all to be saved, but to come to the knowledge and to know the truth. I mean, we pray for spiritual growth. Can I, can I share with you just uh, the prayer that I've been praying for my kids? I've got four kids, and, and uh, the oldest one now is, is 14. I've got a high schooler, and for 14 years I've been praying the same prayer uh, for my kids. And as a young dad, as I, as I sat and I looked at this baby that I was holding, and I wanted to pray for my kids, and I, I wanted them to know Jesus throughout their entire life, I came to a realization that I was in a place that I can't be with them for their entire life. I can't control their decisions for an entire life. And I said, God, how do I pray for this kid? I pray for this beautiful, beautiful child. And for 14 years now, I've been praying the same prayer. And it's simply this. I pray that they would have ears to hear the Holy Spirit and a heart to respond to his calling. I can't be there for every situation. I can't be there for all the circumstances. But the Holy Spirit is. I mean, Jesus gave the Holy Spirit to be the guide, to be the helper, to be the one to walk with. So every single moment of every single day of their lives, the Holy Spirit being with them. And I pray, God, would you give them ears to hear when the Holy Spirit whispers. And not only that they would hear the Holy Spirit, but that they would be able to respond to whatever it is the Holy Spirit calls. We pray for our kids. We pray for those that we love. We pray for our spouse. We pray for salvation. We pray for spiritual growth. It's the first things first, and and that's the stuff we pray for. I'm going to ask you to do a couple things. Here's how I want to end, and I I want us to, to process, is that if you're someone who knows Jesus, that your heart has been transformed by the life and message of Jesus, there's a really, really good chance someone's been praying for you. Someone prayed for the home that you grew up in. Someone prayed for that experience that you had in college where you were in a Bible study and came to know Jesus Christ. Someone prayed for that moment, maybe even that low moment as an adult that brought you to rock bottom, brought you to a place where you would stop worshiping yourself and start worshiping God. Someone was praying for those moments. So I need you to do something before the end of the day. Whatever time it is as you're watching this, I want you to think of the one who's been praying for you. Maybe the ones, (laughs) you got multiple. Would you say thank you? Would you thank them for their dedication to be praying for you? I mean, send them a text message. Shoot them an email. Send a courier pigeon. I don't care. Thank them. You know, the best one to do is we give a phone call. Because when they hear that from your voice, that's pretty powerful. 
So I want you to say thank you for praying for me. And then I want you to do this. Ask him to keep praying. Because if you're anything like me, you still need it. So say thank you and ask him to keep praying. Here's the next thing I want you to do. I want you to start praying. What if your home, again, whatever the home looks like for you and whatever that is in your situation, in your circumstance, what if your home was known as a home of prayer? Because it started with you. And it started very, very simply by you finding those moments to pray for the physical and the spiritual needs of those whom you love. Just pray. Pray for those you love, but also pray with those you love. Pray with them. Find those moments where you can, if you still have kids in your home, if you have a house and a roof and they're still in your literal house, what a great opportunity to start praying with them. Let them hear your words. Let them hear what it is that you're praying for, the topics and all that. Let them hear that. And what you'll find is they're going to start modeling. And then what you do is after you've done that for a while, then what I want you to do is I want you to ask them to pray. Uh, They may say no, and that's okay. Don't force them. But I I want you to ask them to pray. And tell them that you would like them to do that at some point. Let them start praying because as kids, if they start praying in your home, as adults, they will be the ones who pray. I want you to start praying for the physical and spiritual needs of those whom you love. The call is that first and foremost, like we're, we're talking first things first, we need to pray if your heart's been transformed by the life and message of Jesus, the natural response is, is to gather and to pray. Uh, now, for those of you, I, I want to I speak to those of you who, uh, if you're still with me, way to go. But if you've hung around and you're still here and you're someone whose heart hasn't been transformed by Christ and you're still wondering about this Jesus thing and, and you're here listening, I, I want to say something for you. I want to give you an encouragement that I'm just going to suggest that maybe this right now this might be the moment that someone's been praying for. If, if there's someone that you know in your sphere somewhere that loves Jesus, they're praying for you. They're praying for your heart. Yes, they're praying for your physical needs, but they're praying for your heart. It's what moms do, grandpas do, aunts, spouses, kids they pray. And what, here's what they're praying for. In case you're wondering as they do their prayer thing, what are they praying for? They're praying that you would understand that you can't save yourself. That, that you can't outrun your past. You can't outgood your bad. You can't save yourself. And the one that can save you is the one whose heart breaks at the thought of people dying without him. It's Jesus. So they're praying that you would know and come to the knowledge of the love of Jesus Christ. I'm going to suggest to you that this may be that moment that they've been praying for. If you're feeling a tug at your heart, for some reason you just can't turn this off, in your mind, and, and, and as you even are on the screen, you can't turn it off. 
It's the Holy Spirit pulling at you. Would you have ears to hear the Holy Spirit and the heart to respond? Paul tells us in, in Romans that, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe that he was raised, you'll be saved. It's as simple as that. And so if this is that moment, pray. Pray. Pray the simple prayer that says, God, I can't save myself. I know that I can't save myself. God, I need you to save me. And I believe, God, that you can and that you will save me. If you can pray that prayer, then you're saved. And if you do, if that's you, if that's something that is, is, is on your heart and you've prayed that prayer, we'd love to hear from you. As this, if you've got to pause this video and you need to go and, and let us know now, please do that. As soon as this is over, let us know. Go to triumphlbc.org slash connect and let us know. Maybe you've got questions. You didn't pray that prayer, but man, there's still something there. We'd love to hear from you. But see, when a heart is transformed by the life and message of Jesus, so is the home and so is the city. First things first. It's the heart. And out of the heart flows a response of prayer. How do we pray? Heavenly Father God, you are a God who desires that all would be saved. And so we pray in our homes. God, we pray that you would meet all of our needs according to the riches that you have. But Lord, we also pray that spiritually you would work in and through our lives. Lord, may our homes be homes marked by prayer. So Holy Spirit, speak into our hearts. Give us the ears to hear you and the heart to respond in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.